Chow with Tusi, and welcome to another episode of Rossoneri Offside, or The Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of SB Nation's Devil Wears Rossonero blog. I'm Patrick Stoll, alongside my co-host Tim Fontenot, at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SBN Rossonero is where you can reach us on Twitter. Well, we might be out of the Europa League. Thank you to the referees for allowing us to focus on top four. Uh, 5-1 aggregate uh, against Arsenal is the final scoreline after a 3-1 defeat at the Emirates with some dubious refereeing, which we will get into. But now the race for the top four and the Coppa Italia is straight in Milan's sights, just five points back of Inter in fourth place. That is thanks to a clutch, an absolutely clutch, 3-2 win over Chievo Verona on the weekend. And who needs Europa League when not only do you have an on-fire Andre Silva, but you have Patrick Cutrone signed to a contract extension Long term. That is what I'm talking about. Give me one of the brightest young strikers in Europe over a quarterfinals appearance over Arsenal. I will take that and I will take those awful calls from the Arsenal game and I will take my promising young striker and we will march right into the top four. Uh, again, uh, thank you for listening to. The devil wears Rossonero. Tim, what's up, my man? How pumped are you that we have the two brightest young strikers in Italy, if not Europe? My goodness, if I wasn't already to talk about this this whole week we've been hyping this up as we've been getting ready to do this, that open gave me all the excitement I needed. Man, what a what a fun week with these two Milan strikers and I uh, I gotta say I stand by that picture I sent you the other day when I was comparing AC Milan strikers in 2003 to 2018, and it's the same guys. I mean I'm st- I'm a fan. Yep. I I mean I I watch them celebrate together, and I just I'm like that's Shevchenko and Inzaghi. Am I getting ahead of myself? 100% I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh yeah, one oh absolutely, yeah. but that's all right. Let's have some fun. We're out of the Europa League. We're here to have some fun. Well, speaking of being out of the Europa League, I, I guess we have to talk about it. Of course, Andre Silva scores another clutch at the death goal, and we have Patrick Cutrone signing an extension until uh, 2021. But yeah, we also did get eliminated from the Europa League. 5-1 was the final aggregate scoreline uh, with a 3-1 defeat at the Emirates. Uh, you and I were talking about this earlier that I don't think we learned anything new from this game. We didn't. I, I don't think Gattuso got it wrong. This, I don't think it was a case of Milan sucking like the first leg. I think they played a lot better. It should have been 2-0 Milan at the half. Chelinoglu had an absolute screamer. So that was 1-0. And then an absolutely bogus, absolute nonsense penalty that I just am so infuriated about still from Danny Welbeck earned a penalty somehow from the referee that was behind the goal who was looking right at it and somehow thought that Ricardo Rodriguez 
tripped him. And I feel so bad for Rodriguez because he always seems to be on the end of these penalty calls. And Danny Welbeck essentially trips over himself, gets a penalty call for it, buries it. And that was 1-1-3-1 aggregate. Milan had some chances. They did that same first five minutes all out thing. Uh, They didn't get anything out of it. They should have. Different shape for Gattuso seemed to do all right, but not great because Arsenal was able to hold a lot of the ball in the second half. It it just went downhill. Arsenal ended up getting another goal, and then it was over. They got a they got another one, uh, the equivalent of a consolation goal in the last few minutes, and that's what made it five one. To add insult to injury, not only did Danny Welbeck get a nonsense penalty. But on the other end, a ball straight up hit somebody, uh, Chambers. It hit Chambers in the hand on a shot, and it redirected the ball. It, it should have been a handball. It should have been a card, and it should have been a penalty. And for whatever reason, Danny Welbeck can dive and get a penalty and essentially put the tie away. But then on the other end... Nothing. Nothing when it just blatantly hits Chambers' arm. And uh, so I heard people saying fixed. Uh, I don't think it was fixed. I think the referee was just absolute garbage. That was the real storyline. Gattuso didn't get it wrong. I think Wenger got it right. I think Arsenal just played better. Uh, But I wasn't embarrassed at this game like I was the first leg. I thought it was fine. It just, they were just a better team. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm Arsenal is the better team out out of these two right now. You have to admit it for as bad as they've been, you don't go from being what Milan was at the start of the season to all of a sudden being better than Arsenal overnight. You just don't. So in in essence, the better team won. They were dominant in the first leg at the San Siero. And look, I I looked at the separate leg, the second leg as a completely separate thing from the first leg. I mean, we talked about it. We felt like they dug themselves too big a hole to overcome. What were we going to see from them in the second leg? And look, like we can we can talk about Gattuso's like tactical changes, you know, the way he lined the team up. He did like you said, he didn't get it wrong. And there's something different when you're playing aggregate football and against playing in the league. You're not playing for points, you're playing for goals. And when you lose the first leg 2-0, at home, so you're up against two away goals, you're going for it. Like, that's all you can really do. So that's what they had to do. And I I thought that they should have gotten one in those first few minutes. Like you said, Andre Silva missed a really good chance. But, I mean, it was, it was a tough chance in fairness, but it almost went in. So they should have had one earlier. Chalanoglu with a fantastic goal. And I, I jumped out of my seat. I'm at work, and I'm freaking out after that goal goes in. And that's what we wanted to see from Chalanoglu for the last couple of weeks. I mean, he had kind of had a dip in form, and then all of a sudden he comes out with that, and you're like, that's the guy that we bought. And he go down the other end, and I'm just – I'm so, so, so angry still about that well-back penalty because now we find out a couple days later that Welbeck isn't going to be punished retroactively – for this blatantly obvious dive. Absolute joke. It's, absolute it's obnoxious. Joke. Now, a couple years ago, 
UEFA decided when the early, early days of VAR goal line technology discussion. There was no technology available at this point. There was no Hawkeye. There was no VAR. They decided that to help the game, they were going to put, as you said, linesmen on the goal lines, the touch lines in the Europa League and the Champions League. I think that's been working really well for years. So I, I have no complaints about this system. I honestly think if you're not going to have VAR, I think that's the best solution is to have those two extra guys. Now, it's all about these got these officials not being morons. And I don't think I can come up with a different word because the the ref or the official on the touchline was directly in line with Danny Welbeck and Ricardo Rodriguez. He saw, and we've seen all the angles. Now, Rodriguez wasn't directly behind Welbeck, so he wasn't hidden from view. He was kind of off to the side. You know that Welbeck just tripped over himself. And then he threw himself forward. He was so in line with the play that if Welbeck had sprung a little farther forward, he would have crashed into the guy. And you do nothing about it. You just go along with the fact that this is a penalty. That right there decided the tie. When it gets to 3-1, that's it. Right before halftime, there's no coming back from that. So no matter what Milan could have done afterward... Nothing. And then, you know, Xhaka gets his goal on poor Donnarumma. I mean... He was having such a good game, too. He was. and But he still... I think sometimes we forget how young he is. He's 19 years old still. Look, he, I, you could tell he was trying to push the ball away. But it just... Physics sometimes is a terrible, terrible thing. And it just... The ball went the other way and I... You know, I think about some of the bad bounces that have gone in Milan's favor, some of them that have gone against Milan. I'm just like, eh, tie was already over at this point. So I just kind of shrugged it off. And then Welbeck puts away another one. And, you know, again, there was no coming back from 2-0. But I'm still just, I'm really annoyed that nothing was done about the Welbeck penalty. And maybe that's just me being a really bitter Milan fan, but at the same time, I just, I'm still so stunned and I haven't seen a single person, even an Arsenal fan, try to justify what happened. Well, my favorite thing was Arsenal posted a poll on Twitter saying, you know, Milan is very skeptical about that penalty call. Would you have called it a penalty? And like 74% of people <laughs> said no. And I know for a fact, and it got like 11,000 oh votes. So it's not like that was just Milan Twitter being like, no, like, okay, 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 okay. It was like, even Arsenal fans were like, nah, I, I would not have given that penalty. And remember the first leg when Suso took a shot from outside the box and it curled left uh, horrifically and ended up being a throw-in. Oh, So yeah. that was the story of the first leg. Story of the second leg was Suso getting fouled right outside the box in the 61st minute and getting a yellow card for diving. That is 
the game in a nutshell because I saw it. I was like, all right, free kick. Here we go. Like we got Rodriguez, we got Chalinoglu and he raises the card. I'm like, all right, a yellow card too. It's like yellow card Suso. I said, what are you serious? This is where we're at right now. And it's funny because right after that Arsenal started time wasting. And I was like, are we time wasting in the 65th minute? Like we're doing the slow substitution thing. We're doing, it was awful. And like, the first half was exciting and infuriating and absolutely yeah. just that was what I more expected the tie to be. Uh, I expected better officiating. It's, it can always be worse because as soon as you started saying that, I thought about who the Scandinavian teacher that did, what was it, Chelsea Barcelona a few years oh, ago? Oh, no. And I just, so it can always get worse. Yeah, and, and. We could be Arsenal fans. Well, that's true. Yeah, I got to give them credit on that Twitter poll, though. To be honest, they—I uh, have this whole theory about the five stages of an Arsenal season. That's that takes too long to explain, so I won't. But Arsenal fans—they come into a season feeling really, really cocky. Like all of us, even if they don't do anything in the summer, it's like, all right, you know, we got Alexander Lacazette. Here we come. We're gonna win the title now. We're gonna be back in this thing. But then the self-awareness comes back, and they realize they're Arsenal, and they're Arsenal fans. And then, you know, I just, I live for the post-match, everyone gathered around for Arsenal fan TV, where they start complaining about everything, how terrible they are. That Twitter poll just reminded me that they really know what's up with their club. They Oh, they're self-aware. They absolutely know what's going on. And I wanted at least a win, just to see how people would react. And I think that would have been a moral victory for Milan, even if they didn't advance. I mean, I said it was going to be 2-1 Arsenal. I was pretty close, considering Welbeck's second uh, should have been first, was in the 86th minute. Uh, So just absolute garbage time. And like you said, Xhaka's goal was honestly kind of a shocker from Donnarumma, who had really kept Milan in the game. And other than that, I mean, there isn't much to really dive into in that matchup that we didn't dive into in the first leg. No, I just have one more thing to add from that game. And you said that you wanted to see a win. I mean, I really wanted to see a win as soon as I saw the crowd. Because they showed the Emirates when those two teams were walking out and you saw the one part of the stadium that was just a sea of black and red. I got absolute chills at that moment because I just think about all the times that, you know, the Curvasudas clashed with this club, the times that the fans haven't shown up in these last few years where things have gotten bad. And even at the start of this season, they started not to show up and after a 2-0 loss in the first leg, the fans, like, I know there's a big London group of Milan supporters, but they showed up. They turned up, and they were loud, and they were passionate. And it was it almost like I kind of thought about what a derby crowd looks like. I mean, maybe getting a little crazy there, but just the passion of the Milan fans, it was amazing to see that. And it was refreshing and kind of another reminder of 
how things have gotten better in the last few months. Like, even if you do go out 5-1 on aggregate to Arsenal, there's still this part of this club where things are going really in a completely different direction than they could have been. I also liked that you could hear the Milan fans the entire game. Like, you could hear them singing, and yeah, that was really fun to watch and to listen to because I knew those were not the Arsenal fans. And speaking, <laughs> you mentioned the Derby. In case you missed it, since Milan was knocked out of the Europa League, that frees up their schedule a little later, which means that the Derby, which was postponed uh, after the death of Davide Astori, is scheduled now for the 4th which is a Wednesday after Milan have to play Juve and Inter play, I believe it is Hellas Verona at home. So that ended up working out a little bit for Inter, but as I mentioned in the intro, uh, Milan now have two things to worry about. Top four, of which they are five points back, uh, five points back of Inter right now, and the Coppa Italia final against Juventus in may so moving from arsenal to the next game uh, as i like to call it the bounce back game only days later on sunday at the san siro against kievo and this was another one of those roller coaster of emotion things which they need to stop doing chalanaglu got a goal in the 10th minute and then kievo scored two goals in two minutes and milan went down 2-1 at the half. Those goals from Stepinski and Inglese in the 33rd and 34th minute just to really ruin that portion of a Milan fan Sunday. Uh, And then um, the man, the myth, the legend, all he does is score Patrick Cutrone, tied it up, and if you haven't seen his reaction when his goal was given by VAR, you need to watch it because he is near the ref, and then when the ref points to the center circle, Cutrone sprints to... He starts sprinting to where the ball is, and then the goalkeeper ends up like kicking the ball away. So then he just runs almost to the corner flag, pumping his arms and pumping up the crowd, and then he runs all the way back, grabs the ball, puts the ball in the middle, and is ready to roll. And that, my friends, is my striker. Yes. And then Andre Silva, which all he does is score in the last 10 minutes of the game, Andre Silva won it for Milan in the 82nd minute, just a week after his match-winning goal against Genoa. So again, two of the brightest young strikers in Europe. People might not agree about Silva quite yet. I'm a big fan, but Cutrone is clearly one of the bright young strikers in not only Italy but Europe he proved it again Milan got a crucial absolutely critical three points there at 50 Lazio 54 and Inter 55 and Milan are six points above Samp who sits in seventh so this this game was crucial and the two boys stepped up once again and brought it home. I have two things to say before I start talking about this game in general. First of all, I can't wait to start talking more in depth about Cutrone in a few minutes because you talking about his goal celebration just reminds me that I need someone to just, I mean, I 
saying this as someone who works in soccer video, maybe I should be doing this, putting together a compilation of his goal celebrations from this year because there is no one who loves their team more than Patrick Cutrone loves his team, and I live for it every single time. The second thing, you mentioned that not everyone is really on board with Andre Silva being one of the next big things in Europe. You know that my wave of emotions is starting to go back toward that. And I am super in love with this guy and I'm really excited, but you know who else is really excited about Andre Silva? Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo, who said, and I quote to Gazeta dello sport. When I retire, Portugal will be in good hands because they have already found a great striker. Andre Silva. Boom. I am really excited about this guy. Now, the game. Great opening goal by Chalanoglu. Great awareness to be on that far post. Knock the ball into an open net. Great. Second goal, or the Kievo goal off a corner kick. Eh, we got to do better. Marking guys on set pieces. Can't let them score twice in a minute. But, hey, that Inglese goal, someone should be stepping out toward the ball but what a hit what an absolutely great strike in a week of really good goals in Syria I might add there were some crackers around the league and that was one of them then the second half comes around Patrick Cutrone cleaning up the mess in the box brilliant that's the kind I he's scoring all different kinds of goals I love the striker who's going to get in and do that dirty work And I think I've said this before on this podcast. We haven't had a guy who's been willing to get in there and do the dirty work in a long time. And it's something he loves to do. Then Andre Silva comes on. And I love this system of Cutrone in to start. Comes out. Andre Silva, go do your thing. Because when the season started, I thought it was going to be the exact opposite. I thought Andre Silva was going to be the starter, which he obviously was to begin with. And then Cutrone, because he's not he at the time was not a 90-minute player, could come in, give you 20, 25 really good minutes, clean up the messes, get in toward goal, get you what you need. It's the other way around now. Cutrone's starting. He's scoring goals. He's cleaning up, doing what you need. But he's I still don't see him as a 90-minute striker. Sometimes maybe, but not all the time. Andre Silva comes in. You've got a really good talent coming in off the bench, and he does that. I mean, we went from all we have is Patrick Cutrone. He's our only hope to we have Patrick Cutrone, who is the future of this team. And we have Andre Silva, who is the future of the world. And this is all great. And I'm just really excited about it. Yes, we talked about it. We should have put Kievo away far more easily than that. We kind of figured they were going to get one. We kind of figured they'd make it a mess. But, hey, we've got Patrick Cutrone and Andre Silva. Yeah, we're fine. My favorite part of this is how a couple of years ago, our roster was an absolute mess. And you could look and be like, <laughs> who the hell is our spine right now? And it was basically yeah. like El Sharawi, and then he was gone. And it was like, who's who's it now? Like, is it Menez? Maxi Lopez? Maxi, right? Um. But now you're looking and you say, okay, so they have Donnarumma, Romagnoli, Locatelli, Cutrone, and Silva. And that's not even mentioning Suso, Bonaventura, Kessier, Chalanoglu, 
Bilia, if you have him in there, Benucci, Calabria on the right side, Rodriguez on the left. Uh, someone asked me this week who I would take out of AC Milan if I had the choice. Uh, and it was pretty easy for me to identify. Uh, number one, Kalinic, get out. Number two, Montalivo, who I've wanted out for years. Jose Mauri, either sell or loan, because I just don't think he's going to stick around. Zapata, because given our center back's performance, we don't need Zapata now. Uh, I would keep Gomez. I would keep Musacchio, uh, Romagnoli, and Benucci are obviously the starters. Gabia, he's another loan, probably. Uh, Antonelli and Abate. And that's it. Like, instead of, okay, like, let me bring up the list and tell you the easier thing, which is who to keep, right? Because that was two years ago. It would be easier to say, like, I would keep, you know, Suso. Or, like, I would keep Bonaventura and then, like, kick the rest out. Whereas now, it's really encouraging to see the youth come up in this team and really shine. And that's what we're seeing with Cutrone, who the great news this week uh, in the international break, and we're going to get to the international uh, Milanisti in a minute. But Patrick Cutrone has signed a new contract with AC Milan, uh, 1.1 million euros a year, no release clause. Uh, he has 15 goals in 37 appearances in all competitions. And the expiration of the new deal will be the same as his current contract, which is June 2021. So Patrick Cutrone is going nowhere until at least 2021. So when he's 23, I mean, then we'll sign him to another contract. Redoing his contract no release clause, giving him a raise, making sure that he's here long-term, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. I'm so glad that the administration said, all right, we are going to lock this kid down and we are going to reward him for what has already been an incredible season for him, which earned him a call-up to the national team. So I cannot be more excited that we locked down Patrick Cutrone, especially because people are starting to notice. Big teams are starting to write Cutrone's name on their lists of watch this kid, as they should be. But it's it was top priority to make sure that he was locked down, going nowhere, and that he was comfortable and wanted to stay. And it sounds like that is the case, and I couldn't be more excited for him to stick around. I am elated about this and i think it's fair to say that right now patrick cutrone is the man of the hour in italy uh obviously his call up this contract and this contract is so important uh look we've been in love with what cutrone has been doing we talk about it all the time we fanboy over him all the time and how can you not and you know that i think the biggest thing that you mentioned is the no release clause Someone can't just come in and trigger that and say, hey, we want you. And I I honestly, the thing I love most about Cutrone is 
I I see this very down to earth, level headed kid who I think to uh, to quote a tweet from the former manager of our site, Liz, earlier today, <laughs> she says because uh, he was asked about not having a girlfriend as Gattuso was hoping for him at this point. She's like, look at that smile. Nice Italian boy, works hard, loves his Nona. I mean, that's just who Patrick Cutrone is. And not only does he love his Nona, he loves his club. I said it a couple minutes ago, and I will keep saying it. My favorite thing about Patrick Cutrone, other than how hard he works, other than his ability to score in any situation, is after he scores in any situation, he screams like a fan in the crowd about the fact that Milan just scored a goal and he clutches the crest on his shirt as hard as he possibly can. And it's just like, I I don't think there's room for a girlfriend in his life because he's so in love with this club. Now you're paying him 1.1 million, very much deserved the way he's playing. You've got to, you got to give him that. This contract is exactly what you should be giving a 20 year old rising star who everyone is starting to look at. And you know what I really like about him? I I really hope that, he, I, and I am very confident he's going to stay this level-headed. He's not represented by some big-name agent who we're not going to name the one that comes to mind right now. Uh, and obviously, he hasn't really been in the spotlight very long but he's been in this he's been in the youth system for a very long time he's represented by a man named donato argnoni whose biggest client beside him according to transfer market is simone verdi former milan boy now at bologna he's not going to be pushing to get cutrone out of milan just so that he can go buy like some other agents more track suits in a really obnoxiously sized house in miami I don't see that being an issue with Cutrone ever. So, like you said, 2021 comes around. He keeps killing it the way he is. And obviously, we just have this one season to go on. So, maybe we temper expectations and we give him time to grow. But right now, his trajectory is nothing but promising. You sign him to another contract. I, The one club player, I think, is virtually dead dead in this world but as a player who grew up with Milan a clearly Milan diehard let can I keep a little bit of optimism about that with this 20 year old kid I think that's fair I mean I think I I agree with everything you said I I'm a big fan of the kid Uh, I'm a big fan of his attitude how he plays he's a workhorse on the pitch Uh, you can tell when he gets subbed off he he doesn't whine when he gets subbed off. And you can also tell that he gave every ounce of energy that he could when he gets subbed off. You can tell the passion when he scores. You can tell the passion when he's training. Uh, you can tell the passion when someone else scores. Because he was right there when Silva scored. And he was the guy who was first to celebrate with him. Yes. Which is awesome. That got me so emotional right there. And, oh my God, what a moment. Before you go on, if I can, you said he gives all his energy when he comes off the pitch. That's the big reason why I say he's not a 90-minute striker. He works so hard in the time he's on the pitch. 
I don't know how he could possibly go 90 minutes with that work rate. It's unbelievable. I love it so much. And remember, that is, I would say, as opposite to uh, another one of our strikers who's not named Patrick Cutrone and who is not named Andre Silva, who there were reports that he is <laughs> not getting a lot of playing time under Gattuso anymore because he's bad, but because he hasn't really been showing that much effort on the pitch, which we've all seen and in training. That is the absolute opposite of Patrick Cutrone, who I see busting his butt for every moment that he is on the pitch, which is awesome. He absolutely deserves this. Uh, what was his quote when he was asked about, like, you know, your your new contract? He was like, oh, it's, it's a really nice surprise. Like, I'm really, really excited. It's like, yeah, okay, you are just a 20-year-old kid playing the game for your yeah. club. Like, you can tell that he was like, yeah, I mean, it's great. Like, it's, yeah, I'm really excited. Like, there wasn't anything that he didn't have to say anything. He didn't need to, like... Oh well, you know, I'm I'm thrilled that they blah blah blah. I'm thrilled that they gave me what I deserve. It was just like, yeah, I'm I'm really, it's a nice surprise. I I wasn't expecting it, which is awesome. Uh, so I'm a big fan of him. That is just a great move by the management. That's good management. Is okay. This kid is ours. We yes. want him to be around. He has proven how good he is. Let's lock him down and. I don't know who is next in line for one of those, but I can tell you this. I am super excited for Cutrone to stick around and keep doing what he's been doing. I'm also super excited for Cutrone and his call up to the Italian national team, which if he starts in their friendly against Argentina, he will have the fewest appearances in Serie A to appear for the national team ever. By a forward. By a forward. Which is crazy. Which is Move over, absolutely Del Piero. nuts. Over the likes of Del Piero. Absolutely bonkers. So I'm super excited to see that. I hope DiBiagio starts him. And I hope we get to see him. His youth career with the national team has been pretty impressive. So I'm pretty confident for the kid. I'm really excited to see where his, not only his domestic career, but his international career or his club and his international career goes as well. Cause it looks like the trajectory is just straight up. Yeah. And I mean, you said, look, the, the management is really excited about this kid. And if they're committed to keeping Gennaro Gattuso around long-term, which we've talked about the the way the team is turned around. You keep Gattuso, and if things keep going the way they are, maybe Marabelli's right and he's a decade-long guy. Patrick Cutrone is the most Gennaro Gattuso player on this team. For Gattuso yep. to be managing this guy must be an absolute dream. And think about what a dream it must be for Patrick Cutrone right now. I mean, he was he was doing okay under Montella. But this is a kid who was born and raised in the Lombardy region of Italy, right near Milan. He was born in Como. He comes to the club in 2006, right before Milan avenged Istanbul, which we've promised not to talk about, and win their seventh Champions League. 
a key player on that team was Gennaro Gattuso. He is a club legend, and Cutrone grew up at this club watching the likes of Gattuso. Now for him to be a 20-year-old important player in this team that he grew up with, that he has been part of since he was 8 years old. He's been with this club since he was 8 years old. This is his 12th year as a Milan player and his first year in the first team. And he is playing for Gattuso. How do you think that motivates a kid? How do you think that must feel for him to be able to do that? I mean, it's a match made in heaven and you can see as a striker, I feel like you can see some of Gattuso in this kid. Just as we've talked about and we keep saying over and over, his heart, his determination. And it's such an incredible thing to see. It's a blessing. It's refreshing. I'm all for it. And I also am extremely excited to see this kid play for the Atsuri. It's going to be really exciting to see him get that opportunity. And in a team that really needs a number nine. I mean, you can talk about all different kinds of reasons why Italy didn't make the World Cup. The lack of a real number nine is up on that list. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a factor. And just to to hit home with your point about Catuso and Cutrone, you see them walking off the pitch together all the time. And I you see it. how Catuso embraces Cutrone. It's obvious that he's a huge fan, and I'm sure that he had a good amount of influence in getting this contract extension because I would be willing to bet that he went in and said to somebody, what is the contract situation for Cutrone? Oh, well, it's this. It's like, yeah, let's get that fixed or let's give him more. Like, give him some money. And I am sure that he said, and make sure someone can't just swoop up and buy him or be moved, right? Yes. And that's the release clause. And I am all for the lack of a release clause. Whether it was Gattuso or Marabelli or whoever it was, thank you, thank you, thank you to that person for learning from last summer. 100%. Because thank massive, God that we don't have to go through massive. that with Cutrone. Yes. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. They learned right away. So thank you to whoever is responsible for that. Also, just as an aside, Patrick Cutrone, Gennaro Gattuso, and Andre Silva have lasting open invitations to hop on this podcast. Yes. You are uh, forever invited to come on this podcast uh, and grace us with your presence. Uh, Those three you have... Uh, I mean, as well as the entire team. Like, obviously, we would love to talk to any of the Milan players. <laughs> but you oh, three, absolutely. at this moment, and, and Suso, have open invitations for <laughs> whenever you want. And we'll schedule around you. We'll have our people talk to your people. We'll schedule around yeah. you. We'll figure it out. I, I am a little disappointed. I did request Andre Silva for this interview or for this episode so I could tell him over and over how much I love him. And I stand by what I said last night when I posted that picture of him celebrating in FIFA where he will lead millions, willing or otherwise. I think that's just going to be 
at the orders of Patrick Cutrone anyway. So, Patrick, hit us up. We're here. We are anxiously awaiting any sort of contact. Um, and just in case you want to hit us up on Twitter, at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SBN Rossonero, uh, we'll, we'll have our people. Very yeah, nice we'll, segue. we'll have I our like that. people call your people. Uh, speaking of people being called, how how's that for a transition? I really like that. And, <laughs> so 13 AC Milan players have been called up for international duty, which is far more than I expected, given that I would not expect our entire starting 11 to be called up to international competition, and 13 is more than our starting 11. Some of them, I would say, are not surprising. I wouldn't say Cutrone being called up is surprising. No. But I wasn't 100% expecting the call-up, right? I thought he would. But I also thought Mario Balotelli would be called up. But here we are. Cutrone joins Benucci, Bonaventura, and Donnarumma for a trip to England to play Argentina at Manchester City Stadium, which has me in a mental pretzel. I'm not really sure why. But uh, Cutrone, Benucci, Bonaventura, Donnarumma, they'll play Argentina, which will feature Lucas Bilia, and then... Italy will play England in London, and uh, so I mentioned Bilia. He is with Argentina, as he has been for years. They will take on Spain on Tuesday, so Argentina has Italy and then Spain. This article that I have pulled up from AC Milan actually mentions that no Rossoneri have been included in the under-21 Italian team. But that would be because Donnarumma and Cutrone got called up to the senior team. So I'm <laughs> too not good too worried kids. about that, right? It's the, You can't, what, you're going to call up Patrick Cutrone for the U21? <laughs> He's going to wander in there. He's going to be like, sup, boys? Yeah, right? How are you doing, fellow youths? <laughs> I'm the captain now. Look at me, <laughs> fellow youths. Um, but Gabia, Gabia will be in Italy's under-19 Euro Cup qualifiers, which is something I did not know was going on. He will play against Greece, Poland, and Czech Republic. For whatever reason, that is three matches in six days. So best of luck to Gabia. I salute you. Uh, Andre Silva, the future of the world and the Portuguese national team, has been called up to the Portuguese team to face Egypt and the Netherlands. Chalinoglu for Turkey. He will play Ireland and Montenegro. So look out for a Galazzo from him, I hope. Switzerland called up Rodriguez for Greece and Panama. Nikola Kajanic somehow got called up to the Croatian team for Peru. <laughs> they don't have anyone else. Yeah, well, that's the thing, though. They do, don't they? M- maybe not well, at striker. But Kajanic? No. Really? You, I you mean, have Mandzukic is in how there. many choices? I mean, he's injured too. How many yeah. people do you have to go through on a list to say, oh yeah, Kainich, <laughs> him? Evidently, oh, that list of strikers is too short. Because if you're the Croatian yes. coach, and I know it's a friendly, so it doesn't really matter, and Croatia is going to go to the World Cup, and he's going to be there, uh, and I'll root for him as long as he's still a Milan player. Because right. I published an article on. 
The Devil Wears Rossonero of an AC Milan fan's guide to watching the World Cup. Now that Italy is out, I like it. hint, hint, Andre Silva is one of the players. Uh, Kayanich yes. happens to be another. Rodriguez is another. So meanwhile, Kessier will join Ivory Coast against Togo. And then Zapata joins Colombia to play France and Australia. And uh, Gustavo Gomez for Paraguay to play against the United States. He's going down. Uh, he's going down. He is going to get absolutely <laughs> bossed by Andrea Weston Novakovic McKinney. is going to run circles and Weston McKinney and Tim West- Weah. Weston McKinney and Tim Weah, the, uh, the crucial combo. Um, but 13 players, again, real quick, just Cutrone, Benucci, Bonaventura, Donnarumma, Bilia, Silva, Chalanoglu, Rodriguez, Kayanich, Kessier, Zapata, and Gomez. They're friendlies, so I don't take much stock into them. Uh, hope no one gets hurt. One thing I will point out, which kind of sucks, is Suso is not on this list. So that means Suso did not get called up by Spain, which is just a little bit more of an outrage than Antonio Donnarumma not getting called up by Italy. I I don't understand what Suso has to do. And if you had said, hey, who got called up to a national team, Bonaventura or Suso? I would have said Suso, and I would have gotten it wrong. And by the way, Bonaventura, I'm seeing lineups that he is going to start for Italy, which I am not sure about that. For me, I'm obviously, being an American, I'm all in on the U.S. national team, but I'm also Italian, so I root for the Italian national team. And look, neither side made the World Cup. They've got to start figuring out what comes next. Hey, do some rotation, but Bonaventura, he's getting a little... Uh, I don't think he's going to be in the picture much longer. So that that is kind of a strange one. The Suso one, though, I mean, he he has taken a little bit of a dip, but... But what's a man got to do? I mean, what more does he have to... I don't think Lop- Lopetegui did a really... I don't, I don't think he tried really hard to go outside of Spain and calling up this team. I mean, obviously, you've got some great guys in Spain, guys that you were going to clearly bring to the World Cup, and the guys that he did pull from outside of La Liga for this squad. It's a very short list, but a name list. Pepe Reina, David De Gea... Uh, he brought in Cesar Spilicueta and Marcos Alonso finally gets his first call up. Uh, David Silva. And other than that, it's uh, Tiago from uh, Bayern Munich. So the four forwards that he called up are all in La Liga. Diego Costa has been killing it since he got back to it. Let it go. Iago Aspas. He made it at, over Suso. As did Rodrigo. And the other one is kind of fair. Lucas Vasquez. I'm sure. Sure. Um, yeah. But uh, what does Suso have to do to put his name? So, and again, this is another thing where one of these players got called up. Kayanich or Suso? Pick one and tell me which deserves to be an international competition. I mean, my God, what more does he have to... How many... I know that Spain is more stacked than Croatia is. I was going to say that's kind of like the devil's advocate on that one. Like, But how many names below the call-up line, essentially, is Suso compared to how many names 
for Croatia for Kajanic, because evidently Kajanic is right there consistently, and evidently Suso has to score 20 goals in the next, like, what, seven games of the season? Yeah. In order to get to the World Cup? Like, that's odd to me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I found Italy's projected lineup, by the way. Ooh, I want to hear this. Well, I'm going to start by pissing you off. Buffon. Yeah. I, uh, because he won't go away. I love, like I, I, love, I respect him. I love him with all my heart, but I, I do think he shouldn't have been called up. No, I think you need to no. set aside a time for one last big match. I would say in Turin, and just seventy fifth minute, hand over, uh, hand over the gloves to Donnarumma make that or even Perrin yeah like just make it happen like if Argentina if the Argentina match was in Italy even if it was at like the San Siro or the Olympico right I would have done it then I would have said okay this is your final match you you like in the 80th or 70th or whatever minute it sucks his number isn't higher so that you couldn't sub him off when his number. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, like, sub him off. Everyone gets to applaud him. Give him a totti kind of thing, exactly. right? But instead, he's going to start. And this is just, like, a refusal to give. I understand the respect for him that everyone should have. Absolutely. But I also just don't understand why people can't accept, like, it's time to move on. Like, it's time either Donnarumma or Perrin. I think it should be Donnarumma, but Perrin has been pretty darn good. Uh, and Alex Murray is good, but evidently consistently injured. I just don't understand the logic in calling up Donnarumma. Or, excuse me, I don't see the logic in calling up Donnarumma. I see. I don't <laughs> see the logic in calling up Buffon. I feel like at this point in his career, Buffon has kind of a Tom Brady complex going on, where... You know, we're seeing him still play at this really high level still. I mean, he did man the post as Juve got back to the Champions League final last year. They're having another amazing season. He's obviously a big part of that, but he's also 40. Or very, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, there comes a time when your backup is more than half your age. Or like it's it's time and very good and, and yeah, very and good. He only has yeah. It's amazing to think that Donnarumma is what he's already surpassed a hundred appearances for Milan. He's uh, he still obviously shows signs of youth, but that's the other thing. You're not going to the World Cup, and you need to just you need to start back at square one. I'm not saying blow up the whole thing, but you need to think about. Who's going to be leading you into the future? Who Who's going to lead you out onto the field in Euro 2020? Who's going to be your man at the World Cup as you try to get back to the World Cup in 2022? It's not going to be Buffon. It's not going to be this 42, 44-year-old goalkeeper. It's going to be this guy who's 21, 23 years old. And, I mean, you can throw Perrin in there. I also think Perrin's a very good goalkeeper. But I think if we're talking about the future of the national team, it's Donnarumma by a very large margin after italy missed the world cup i write for another site italian football daily and 
one thing we did was who would you call up to the England match, right? And I had, I I guess you can say it's a hot take. I wouldn't have called someone like Benucci, right? Because A, you don't need him. Like, we know that there are talented defenders, right? But we also don't need, we know what Benucci is. We don't know what, like, Caldara is. So I would call up him over Benucci to start developing that partnership because Caldara is going to be here for three World Cup cycles. Benucci is going to be here maybe for the Euros, and that's it, right? So I said the the roster that I wanted was, at the time, um, and actually it's not Murray, it's Scuffet. Scuffet and Murray go back and forth of being either injured or not in form. And at the time, when I put together this roster, Perrin was still injured. I said Donnarumma, Scuffet, Murray. Uh, Rugani, Romagnoli, Zappacosta, Darmian, Caldara, Jorginho, Verratti, Gagliardini, Florenzi, Insigne, El Shraoui, Bernadeschi, Pellegrini, Locatelli, and Bellotti, Immobile, Balotelli, Zaza, Chiesa, Cutrone. I like it. That's who I wanted. Obviously, I, I didn't get it, and my, my starting lineup would have been all over the place, but they are going to play Buffon. Florenzi, Bonucci, Rugani, Spinazzola, Jorginho, Verratti, Bonaventura, mm. Chiesa, Immobile, Insigne. Romagnoli, yeah. not starting? Rugani, starting over Romagnoli? Really? Really? This is what we're going with now. Florenzi, fine. Spinazzola, I, I like that call-up. Yeah. Jorginho finally you know it's about time that we start uh starting Jorginho Verratti has just regressed like Verratti is like poor dude and Bonaventura has been having a shocking run of form Chiesa good Immobile good Insigne good for me the front three has never been has not been an issue for the Azzurri it's the midfield and then it's making the right substitutions. You know, when, uh, what's his name, Ventura was going to put in De Rossi when they needed a goal instead of Insigne, who was sitting right there. But that is the roster, or that's the lineup that they're going to start. Um, and I think it's interesting that, again, if you had told me one of these guys is going to start, Donnarumma or Bonaventura, I would have said Donnarumma starting that game in a heartbeat. But somehow Bonaventura is starting this game for Di Biagio. And, you know, I'm excited for him. I'm a Bonaventura fan, but he has just not been great. So I don't know how that's going to work. And I don't know how Verratti and Bonaventura and Jorginho all work in the same midfield. You said earlier about the international break, like, you hope, like, they're just friendlies. You hope no one gets hurt. I mean, these serve a purpose for the 32 teams that are going to Russia. They, they serve the purpose of identifying players getting you ready for the world cup uh, i also am really excited i mean obviously no milan players involved since uh, the aguchi on days but if you talk about the united states missing the world cup and now they're bringing in an extremely young team 
featuring the son of an AC Milan legend, I should point out. Hey. Um, yay. Tim Weah, can't wait. I, very young team because they there's an opportunity to start identifying new players. The problem for the United States and the problem for Italy is you're dealing with caretaker coaches. And I think that, unfortunately, I feel like this has the opportunity to be a wasted time period for both teams, teams like that that miss the World Cup, because you're waiting for the opportunity to hire a new coach for Italy, whether it's Antonio Conte, whether it's Carlo Ancelotti, someone else opens up after the World Cup. You're just sitting around waiting with DiBiagio as your caretaker, just trying to get them through these matches. So you're not really learning anything by just bringing in this, this crop of players, this weird, like I wanted to see, you're seeing some young players, but I wanted to see some of the young players that are experienced that are doing really well. I mean, like you said, I, I don't understand how Romagnoli isn't in this team. I don't understand how Rugani is going to start over him. I don't understand how El Shawari isn't in. I don't understand why Bernardeschi isn't in. I mean, you're you're wasting some opportunities here. And again, keeping Buffon in is just, I, we can go on for days as much as I love Buffon. But you're at 175 caps, bro. You've, you've, done your, you've won the World Cup. Amazing job. Thank you for your service. I just... Kendreva still being in is kind of weird to me. Parolo still being around is weird to me. I mean, these guys that are over the hill, over 30. I mean, Benucci, like you, he maybe sticks around for the Euros, wears the armband at Euros, and then it's someone else's team after that. I just... And that's the thing. It's like we've moved on from De Rossi and we've moved on from Chiellini, but we haven't moved on from Buffon. Yeah, like I, it's it's a nostalgia thing. I really think that's all. Like for a lot of people, and obviously Buffon's not going to voluntarily step away right now. Well, that's the thing. He if if he was going to not come back, he would have to say like I'm done. Like I'm done. Don't call me up. Like I'm good. Which I I'm honestly he really did surprised it didn't happen after Sweden. Yeah, I I thought that was it, but I mean apparently he. If they had the World Cup, this would make a lot more sense. But it's going to be four years. I mean, don't tell, don't try and tell me he's going to try and. I mean, he's. I thought he was going to retire at the end of the season for Juve, which I also don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, I mean, I I'm excited to see some of these guys, especially Patrick Cutrone, get some time. For their national team, one other player I'm really excited for Andre Silva. Andre Silva for Portugal. I'm sorry, I'm still on the Azuri. Yes, Andre Silva for Portugal is going to be amazing. If you're if you're watching the Italian games though, if you want to be both really excited and really annoyed at the same time, Brian Cristante if he plays, I'm gonna be really excited, but at the same time throwing things all over the room. Because it's another one. I, uh, I'm gonna bring up Obama Young again. I, I was so devastated when we sold him to Benfica, because I mean, when people started calling him the next Pirlo, I bought in, and it wasn't just hype. I really saw something in this kid, and I think they moved him too early. 
because he's come to Atalanta. He's still on loan from Benfica, but he's been playing with Atalanta, and he has been absolutely killing it. He has been... Yeah, Juve wants him. Yeah. Juventus wants to sign him. That's how good he's been, which is so unfortunate. I mean, him, and he was one of the transfers I didn't like, and I didn't like selling Sampanara. No. Because I I thought we needed him. Yeah, I liked Sampanara and Cristante, and both of them going at once. I mean, shoot, I was confused by the Crociata transfer (sighs) this summer. I didn't understand that. I thought that he was going to stick around too, but it clearly, I mean, these are guys that they must have, that they see every day. So they must have seen something going on. Yeah. We, we say, or he just wanted to be in Sicily yeah, more. We, we say they see them. I mean, we see, we say that, you know, the team maybe didn't see things in them, but by that we mean someone like Montella or someone like Allegri or Galliani or someone, not Mirabelli and Fasone and Gattuso. So now it's just more frustrating because we have these guys in who I think are better identifiers of talent. I should throw Galliani aside on that because what he did identifying talent was unbelievable. But these, I think these guys would be more, these guys that are right now would be more willing to give those younger players opportunities. And we've seen that. And I think that if, Brian Cristante had come down the pipeline just a couple years later. What could have been? Yeah, I mean, now you got me. Now you got me mad. Um, <laughs> yeah. To, to finish to, to finish off this episode of the Devil Wears Rossonero, uh, I do want to throw one thing out there. Raiola has opened his mouth again. Oh, shocking! Because oh, shocking, right? Yeah. Um, and this wasn't to eat something. Um, sorry, that was mean. Um, so he Brilliant. said, and this is because AC Milan is going to sign Pepe Reina, probably to be a backup to Storari, or excuse me, take the place of Storari, who I think has been a great locker room influence for the team. But they're going to sign Pepe Reina. And Raiola said, well, I hope he's their starting goalkeeper next season which is just such a thinly veiled threat of taking Donnarumma away. And so, like, barely masked that he doesn't like AC Milan and he doesn't like the ownership and he wants to move Donnarumma. Like, this is nothing new. We know. This was all of last summer. We don't need to do this dance again. And it's it's starting to get to the point where either sell him so we don't have to deal with him tell him to tell Raiola to shut up or he needs to fire Raiola. And there's not much to go into because we've done this dance before and we know how this works with this agent who also happens to be Bonaventura's agent, by the way. And Abate's. And Abate's. And Hakeem Mastor, if you guys want to... Oh, God. Don't. Oh, see, now I'm going to get mad. Um, <laughs> that dude. Fun fact. He's like in the team pictures still. Yeah, that's so Like He weird. was in the locker room and stuff. I'm like, I didn't know yeah. he was still on the team. I was I, like, what's I, happening? I, yeah, I saw I was like, what is this dude doing? I thought he was a free agent. Like, I thought he was done. He's but... a free agent on July 1st. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, he'll, so he'll be here forever because the dude who beat Neymar in a dribbling contest 
um, has no job. Um, so, Rabbit hole. I mean, it's worth mentioning that Raiola climbed out of his hole and threw another bombshell. Um, of course, now it's nothing new, so we're all kind of like, okay, whatever, shut up, like, go back in your hole. Um, but he did throw something out there that he hopes Reina is the starting goalkeeper. Um, whether Reina is being signed as a contingency plan, whether he is being signed as a as a rotational, like like a cup competition guy remains to be seen, but it sounds like the Pepe Reina deal is done, like 100% done. So, uh, I mean, good signing, sure. Do we need him? No. Will we need him? I don't know. That's the scary part. And I hope he is not our starting goalkeeper next season because that would mean we are in for an infuriating summer. Exactly. Look, the whole Mino Raiola thing is just... It's a small little man in a tracksuit just opening his mouth because he he sees the possible dollar signs for him, and he really he doesn't care as much about Donnarumma as he does about himself. I think that Donnarumma, I want to believe he has a good head on his shoulders. I know he has a good family. He's, you know, last summer was very hard for him, just as it was hard for the club, for us as fans who have fallen in love with this kid who saw him as this Milan kid, I think that if he sees the light, he can do a really good thing. And as you said, dump Mino Raiola. And I don't think you'll ever see a Milan fan talk badly, put up signs about him at European youth competitions ever again. Um, You won't see the fake money being thrown. I mean, he could do so much right by getting rid of that thorn in our side because Raiola is not going to mess with us on Bonaventura or Abate who you mentioned earlier I think Abate is free to go when he wishes or if he wants to retire at Milan hey he's a nice backup option now Raiola is not going to mess with us on him on either of those because he doesn't see dollar signs with them he only sees them with Donnarumma get rid of him you can do like you're still going to be well off and the club isn't going to take advantage of you with a contract or a transfer situation. So get rid of him. I mean, my gosh, the guy's the worst. I I would agree. He just needs to get rid of him. And that's going to be another situation. If he does fire him where Milan Twitter is going to come out in full force and they, they will, um, Storm the pitch of Twitter, as you might say. <laughs> and on that note, thank you for listening to The Devil Wears Ross Nero, uh, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan blog. Uh, I'm Patrick Stoll at Stoll underscore P. He's Tim Fontenot at Tim underscore Fontenot. And uh, the account for our blog is at SBN Ross Nero. Tim, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Patrick. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll do this again sometime soon. Thanks again for listening. For Tim, for the staff of The Double Wears Russ Narrow, I'm Patrick. We'll see you next time.